What is up guys, it is Quinn here. And in this video, I'm gonna be running through my wide receiver start sits for week four of the NFL season. So going through every single week four matchup, all 16 games, talking about every single fantasy relevant wide receiver, and then either listing them as a start or a sit. So what I trust them in my lineup or you know what I want them on my bench. This type of video is geared for your more standard league sizes. So like 10, 12, 14 teams, somewhere in that range. Um, while you guys are watching, if you are enjoying the content, do me a huge favor, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. There are also gonna be timestamps down below. So if you guys wanna jump around to specific matchups, that is totally cool. Uh, any fantasy questions, start sits, uh, trade advice, waiver wire, drop those down below. And then one last thing before we do jump into the first matchup, if you guys are interested in doing you know, weekly fantasy drafts or even like rest of season drafts, week six through you know rest of the season, I have a promo code on underdog where if you sign up on underdog, they will uh, match your deposit up to $100. If you guys use code Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N, there's gonna be a link down below in the description. You guys can click on that. It'll send you right to their thing. You know, there's a ton of fun things on there. Like I said, weekly drafts, there's uh, pickums that are fun. So a really solid site. It's something that I've used over the last like two years. I would only talk about a product or service that I do truly believe in. So, you know, really solid offer. They will match your first deposit up to $100. So if you guys do want to take advantage of that, there's the link down below. But let's jump into the first Thursday game, or I guess the only Thursday night game, where we have the Dolphins taking on the Bengals and just a lot of fantasy studs in this game. So for the Dolphins, pretty clear. You're starting Tyreek Hill, you're starting Jalen Waddle. Both of those dudes have just been absolute monsters. And then on the other side with the Bengals, for me, I'm starting Jamar Chase and I'm starting T. Higgins. Apparently T. Higgins is dealing with some sort of toe issue. Obviously, if he misses, he's not gonna be a start. Even though Tyler Boyd had a big week three game, he kind of falls in this weird range where I know he's gonna have a few boom weeks, but he's just not someone I trust on a consistent basis. However, he's one of the rare like wide receiver handcuffs. And what I mean by that is, you know, for running backs, if the starter goes down and you own the backup, the backup's your handcuff, you normally feel comfortable throwing in that backup because running back opportunities aren't really earned. They're kind of just given, like you don't have to earn a carry, like they literally just give it to you. Whereas with wide receivers, if a top guy goes down, and that third string gets bumped up to number two, it doesn't mean that that guy's going to produce. But here on the Bengals, they do have three very talented wide receivers. So if either Chase or Higgins are out, I think Boyd steps up and is a very solid start. But if Chase and Higgins are both going, then Boyd is gonna be a sit for me. Then uh, moving over to Sunday, we have the Vikings taking on the Saints. For the Vikings, Justin Jefferson has definitely you know, been kind of held under control the past two weeks. Doesn't change anything in my mind. He is still a high-end wide receiver one and is a lock in your lineup. I also think Adam Thielen is a solid start. Has kind of bounced back over the last few weeks after a rougher week one. And then KJ Osborne coming off of a big game. I guess kind of like a poor man's Tyler Boyd. You know, I think he has some talent, but he's never going to be fantasy relevant in normal-sized leagues unless Jefferson or Thielen is out. On the other side with the Saints, a very, very interesting wide receiver room here. So Michael Thomas did leave the uh, week three game with an injury, still logged, you know, a solid number of snaps. It's not like he left, you know, in the first half. He left later on in that game. If MT is healthy, MT is a start. But I think probably the most, I guess, interesting, polarizing guy here would be Chris Olave. Chris Olave is someone that I listed as a buy low last week, feeling really solid about that pick because he comes out here in week three, 
balls out again. He has had 26 targets over the past two weeks. That is a wild number. Week three catches nine passes for 147 yards and has a 93% route participation. Chris Olave is breaking out and he's going to be a start for the rest of the season. You know, I'm predicting, I think he's going to continue to build on this and be a guy you can trust on the other side, or I guess, no, just on the same team, Jarvis Landry, he left with an injury, regardless of he's healthy, playing, not playing. I still don't want him in my lineup. He had a nice week one. I feel like it's just kind of an outlier. He's going to be behind both Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. That leads us into the Browns-Falcons game. For the Browns, Amari Cooper someone I was a little bit worried about after week one. I thought he was a guy who was going to give you nice production with Deshaun Watson, but maybe he struggles before then. Back-to-back weeks of really nice production. It's good to see from Amari Cooper owners. I think he can be a start in your lineup as probably... I mean, maybe he's working his way up to a fringe top 24 guy. He's probably in that range. There's always like that big clump of dudes, but I think he probably belongs somewhere in that area. And then on the other side with the Falcons, I just want to talk about Drake London a little bit because this dude is an absolute stud. He was my wide receiver one out of this rookie class. Big fan of him, but I didn't even think he was going to come out this hot. 17.1 points per game through three weeks. It's wildly impressive, especially when you consider the fact that it's not like this is some high volume passing attack. Like it's not like he goes to be, you know, like Aaron Rodgers' number one target from day one. Like this is Marcus Mariota throwing him the ball. He has Kyle Pitts there. It's not a super high volume passing attack. He is still producing. He has 25 targets in three weeks, a 32% target share. So he's commanding targets. He has the defense, you know, focused in on him because he is their top weapon and he just continues to produce. He is obviously a locked-in start. That leads us into probably one of the better games of the week, the uh, Buffalo Bills taking on the Ravens. For the Bills, I have both Diggs and Gabriel Davis listed as starts, and then I have uh, Isaiah McKenzie listed as a sit. Now, some of you guys may be wondering why I have Davis as a start compared to McKenzie also as a sit, you know, when they kind of went in opposite directions this week in terms of production. This is how I'm looking at it. Gabriel Davis definitely had a down week three, only targeted six times, three receptions, 37 yards. He still had a 96% route participation. So he is still the clear cut number two in this offense in terms of you know usage. McKenzie goes out, nine targets, seven receptions, 76 yards, and a touchdown. So the numbers look fantastic, but I'm gonna need to see improved usage out of McKenzie before I start him. This was still a very much like, basically 50-50 split between McKenzie and Crowder. We saw McKenzie have a 51% snap share to Crowder's 49. We saw McKenzie have 56% route participation to Crowder's 48%. So they're still right there. You know, I think if McKenzie can start to eat into that, maybe this big game kind of sparks uh, some more usage for McKenzie or more playing time. That would help, but I kind of want to see that usage before I start him because I feel like it's very possible in week four, We see McKenzie like three for 30, Crowder four for 40, and then we're kind of disappointed and we're kind of back to square one. So we'll see if he can improve on that. And it is definitely something to watch moving forward. For the Ravens, I'm still firing up Rashad Bateman as a start down week three, but he's kind of a big play guy. He's going to, you know, thrive on efficiency and touchdowns. So it'll happen for Bateman. I am sitting Duvernay. He's been a solid producer so far, but only 65% route participation in week three. He's the clear-cut number three target in this offense behind Andrews and Bateman. 
He only has eight total targets through uh, three weeks. So even though he's producing, the volume's not there. He's just been far too touchdown dependent for me to want to throw him into my lineup. Then we have the Commanders taking on the Cowboys, a divisional matchup here. For the Commanders, a lot of interesting options. I have Curtis Samuel and Terry both listed as starts. I do have it, you know, kind of on purpose that Terry or that Curtis Samuel is ahead of Terry McLaurin on this graphic. I view Curtis Samuel as the more valuable asset moving forward. I think he's jumped McLaurin. The volume has been there. They use him creatively. They get him carries. I think Samuel is the guy to own in this wide receiver room. I still think you can start Terry. And then to be honest, I think Jahad Dotson is a close call. He's averaging 13 points per game through three weeks. His snap share and route participation are totally there in terms of a startable player. He's just been a little bit too touchdown dependent for me. He has 18 targets through three games. So the volume is all right, but he's being carried by those three touchdowns. He is the wide receiver three behind Curtis Samuel and uh, Terry McLaurin. So he's going to be a sit, but he's obviously a very talented young player who is earning opportunities early on. So maybe he can build on you know this early success and kind of earn himself back into that start area. For the Cowboys, CeeDee Lamb definitely had a bounce back, I guess, performance after a rough first half. You know, misses that potential touchdown, comes back, makes some plays, has a sick touchdown catch. You know, we didn't see Michael Gallup play in this game. He may come back here in week four. I'd probably, you know, bank on him coming back in week four. Definitely not someone I want to be starting. He's probably going to be limited early on. And then uh, also sitting Noah Brown, who's been decent, but not really someone who I see as having very much upside on a week-to-week basis. He did have a pretty solid week two, but it's just a situation where he's not someone I think you want to be counting on. Then let's move over to the Seahawks taking on the Lions. For the Seahawks, uh, I do have DK Metcalf listed as a start. Good to see him log a solid fantasy performance. And then Lockett was someone that I didn't think was going to be startable for the Seahawks um, because I thought DK Metcalf was going to be the number one. Lockett was going to be the number two on a not great passing attack. That's back-to-back solid games for Lockett and solid volume. The Seahawks went very uh, high tempo here in week three. That's going to be really helpful for fantasy moving forward, so I hope they kind of stick with that. Um, But I think both of these dudes can be startable. I don't think you're overly excited about playing either of them, but I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if they are in your lineup. On the other side with the Lions, we're rolling with Amon Ra as a clear-cut wide receiver one start, and then sitting Josh Reynolds and DJ Chark. Then we have the Chargers taking on the Texans. For the Chargers, I would expect Keenan Allen to return for this game. It seemed like he was close to playing here in week three, so I'd expect him to be back. If he's back, I'm playing him, and I'm playing Mike Williams, and then sitting Joshua Palmer. I think Joshua Palmer is someone you can start when Keenan Allen is out of the lineup, but when Keenan's in there, he's not someone I want playing. On the other side with Brandon Cooks, definitely someone who's kind of struggled out of the gate, averaging 9.6 PPR points through three weeks. That's not getting it done. On the bright side here, though, he has been targeted 29 times, so close to 10 targets a week. That's a top 12 in targets. The issue is he only has a 45% catch rate, so those targets are not turning into catches. They're not turning into production. I think this is a spot here with Cooks where we trust the process, and this is coming from someone who was very out on Cooks in terms of like you know drafting before the season. Like I hated him at his price. I don't have any shares of him in redraft. I thought he was going too early, so I was pretty out on Cooks. I still think he's someone we got to be patient on. You were drafting him for safety. I still think at the end of the season, he's going to be 
like a mid-tier wide receiver three at worst. So I think he's going to start producing, but this is the problem we run into where we're drafting someone for like safety, where you're drafting them basically at their ceiling. He's on a bad offense. He's not going to have a ton of touchdown upside. So these are kind of the growing pains you're going to have with these wide receivers in that range. Um, Then moving over to the Titans-Colts matchup. For the Titans, I'm listing both Traylon Burks and Robert Woods as sits. You know, maybe you're coming to me, you're saying, why Robert Woods? He had a solid week three performance. He definitely did have the best game of his season uh, in week three, four receptions for 85 yards. For me, the volume's just not there. 16 targets in three weeks. This isn't some sort of high volume passing attack with the Chargers. And so like, there's just not enough volume, not a ton of touchdown upside. On the other side with Traylon Burks, he's someone I talked about as a buy low option. I still think he's not someone you want in your lineup this week. I really like him long-term throughout the season. He led the team in routes run here in week three. He just hasn't put it all together yet, but that's another reason why I'm kind of fading Robert Woods here. I think Traylon Burks is going to start to kind of overtake him as the number one. And so far with Robert Woods as the number one, it really hasn't even panned out to uh, much production here. Next matchup is the Bears taking on the Giants. Just really gross in terms of pass catchers. I don't even need to say anything about the Bears. Like, I probably don't even need to put Darnell Mooney on this uh, graphic here. Just no pass catchers can be trusted. For the Giants, I was actually going to have um, Sterling Shepard listed as a start. Then he, you know, gets carted off the field on like, what was it, like the last play of for the Giants. Really unfortunate stuff there for Sterling Shepard, a guy who's dealt with a ton of different injuries, worked his way back from a torn Achilles and was, you know, playing well, commanding targets, 10 targets in back-to-back games. But obviously he's probably going to be off the table moving forward. So you will not see me with Richie James or David Sills in my lineup anytime soon. Also just shout out to Daniel Jones, who played really well with poor protection, Obviously doesn't have stud wide receivers around him. A good showing out of Daniel Jones last night. Then we have the Jaguars taking on the Eagles. I think there are some pretty clear calls here. You're obviously firing up Christian Kirk as a start. He's been fantastic through three weeks. Zay Jones had a really solid week three. Going to need to see him put it together a few more times before I want him in my lineup. So he's a sit. And then on the other side, A.J. Brown locked in wide receiver one, Devonta Smith, Boy, has that guy bounced back after a, you know, goose egg in week one. He's clearly talented. Jalen Hurts is supporting these weapons. Both very, very strong starts. Then we have the Jets taking on the Steelers. And I think most of you guys would agree with Garrett Wilson as a start. Has looked phenomenal to start off his season. I have Elijah Moore listed as a start. I understand if you guys have Elijah Moore and you're like, no shot, this dude is sniffing my lineup. He is clearly on the fringe. He's on the bubble. But just hear me out here. Obviously, I'm a big Elijah Moore guy. I think he's a buy low. Obviously, you're not giving up anything of value because he has underproduced so far. But I just really struggle to sit a very talented wide receiver, a guy that I believe at least is talented, with elite usage. Week three, you know, in a game where he's not doing a ton, 97% snap share, 100% route participation. This man is getting opportunities. He has 22 targets through three weeks, so nothing terrible. He just hasn't scored a touchdown, which I think has definitely limited his production. He hasn't had a big game. The volume has been okay, but just hear me out. Like if he has one game with a touchdown, we're looking at him as slightly disappointing, but it's because he hasn't had one of these boom weeks. He hasn't had the touchdown. We're looking at him like, what are you doing in our lineup? Obviously, I don't love him as a start, but 
just someone who's not the worst option. You know, just give me this one. Let me have Elijah Moore as a start. He's a fringe guy. Maybe he doesn't even make the top 36 this week, but someone to consider if you have a few flexes. And then sitting Corey Davis, who is the number three here for the Jets. On the other side with the Steelers, Deontay Johnson, obviously a start. God, get this man a quarterback, please. Just let us see Kenny Pickett. Deontay continuing to produce with garbage quarterback play. Guys like Claypool, Pickens, these dudes could be really solid NFL wide receivers. We just wouldn't know because the quarterback play is atrocious. Pickens had that crazy catch. You know, he's getting opportunities, but there's just not enough volume to go around, especially when Deontay Johnson is hogging all of it and still not even giving like wide receiver one production because they don't score any touchdowns. Uh, Moving over to the next matchup between the Cardinals and the Panthers. For the Cardinals, Marquise Brown finally had a big day. He was this guy that I kept ranking pretty highly, but week one, week two, nothing crazy. Week three, the volume was there, just a volume monster, really solid production. And then I also have Greg Dortch listed as a start. I talked about him as a waiver wire pickup. Three games this season, 15.3 points, 15.5 points, 17 points. 15.3 points per game on only one touchdown. So it's not like one of these dudes like Devin Duvernay who's giving you production, but it's like low volume, you know, a ton of uh, touchdowns. One touchdown in three weeks, averaging 15.3 points per game. Week three, 85% route participation. He's out there. Even if Rondell Moore returns, I still think Greg Dortch probably has that role on lock. Like Greg Dortch has done more in these three games than probably Rondell Moore has done his entire rookie season and Rondell Moore could be kind of like hampered coming back from his injury. So I do like Dorch as a start for the Panthers. I have DJ Moore listed as a start, but I mean, this is like a bottom of the barrel start. I'd probably feel close to as comfortable starting Elijah Moore as I would DJ Moore. He's been wildly disappointing. 7.9 points per game through three weeks, 18 total targets, a abysmal 39% catch rate, I just can't imagine this could get any worse. Kind of talked about this in the running back video. Like, I'm not putting really any blame here on DJ Moore. I think the coaching staff is incompetent. I think Baker Mayfield has not been good. You're looking at Christian McCaffrey, who has produced, you know, Christian McCaffrey has produced with, you know, trash cans at quarterback. He's produced with backups. He's produced with Sam Darnold. He's produced with Cam Newton. And they can't even get this man targets. DJ Moore, like, how are you not getting these guys the ball? It shouldn't be that difficult. Just manufacture them some touches. They're not doing it. It just can't get worse from here. So you know DJ Moore's talented. I would be totally cool with you benching him. Like, I think there's probably going to be better options on your bench right now. But some people are asking like, oh, do I trade DJ Moore? Like, what are you going to get for DJ Moore? If someone wants to buy the name in last year's production, sure, get him for like a top 24 guy. But I'm not trading DJ Moore for someone's wide receiver four you know, just to watch the wide receiver four average two more points per game than DJ Moore doing right now. And then DJ Moore clicks and he's like a 14 point per game guy. He's too good to trade away for trash. So he's better to just kind of hold on to and hope he figures it out or hope the Panthers figure it out. And then behind Moore, we've got Robbie Anderson as a sit. For the Patriots, Jacoby Myers is someone who I did think was startable, but now we're seeing Mac Jones potentially out for some games. What is it, like Brian Hoyer is the backup? We can't be starting any of these wide receivers if it's Brian Hoyer. And then even on the other side with the Packers, I think Romeo Dobbs was a really solid waiver wire pickup. But if Christian Watson does return, I still think we can't really trust any of these guys. Like we've got Lazard out here getting the routes run. He's getting the route participation, the snap share. 
still not really doing a ton with it. Like he's a touchdown threat, but in terms of volume, Dobbs coming off that solid game. But if Watson comes back, I could see Dobbs work getting eaten into. It's just a spot where I want to see Dobbs kind of build on it. So if he has another game with solid participation, solid usage, then I'd definitely put him as a start, but it's still just looking like a pretty gross wide receiver room here. That leads us into the Broncos taking on the Raiders. Cortland Sutton continues to produce even though the Broncos offense is floundering. For Jerry Judy, definitely a little bit disappointing here in week three. I still think he's startable, but probably more as like a high-end wide receiver three. I think Sutton is kind of separating himself so far as the number one option. For the Raiders, you're still rolling with Devontae Adams. If Hunter Renfro is back, I think he's a sit. Just doesn't really give you much of a ceiling. I realize I didn't put Mac Hollins on here coming off of a massive game. I don't think you can start him, but the dude looked legit in that insane performance. Like he it wasn't a wasn't like a free, what was it, like 158 yards or something like that. Like he was making plays. So maybe to someone to keep an eye on, but I don't think you can start him this week, especially in like normal size leagues. And then Sunday night football, Chiefs heading to Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. For the Chiefs, everyone was panicking on Juju Smith-Schuster after uh, week two. I was kind of, you know, chilling. I was like, all right, guys, let's just be patient here. You know, one bad game. He had a solid week one. Let's not just throw everything away. Juju Smith bounces back. Hasn't had a game where he gets into the end zone. So, you know, the production's not looking crazy. But I think he's a solid start. Sitting MVS, sitting Sky Moore, who's done nothing, sitting um, Cole Hardman. On the other side with the Buccaneers, basically every single week so far, my analysis of the Buccaneers in the start set video has just been useless because we never know who's playing. We don't know who's going to get injured in the middle of the game. So just kind of going to run through all the scenarios. Mike Evans will be back. He will be playing. Mike Evans is the only player that you should be locked in starting here. Chris Godwin, he didn't even make it to be like a game time decision. So I'm not super, you know, encouraged that he is going to play this week. Even if he does play, I feel like he should be limited. So I have him as a start here just based on the talent where if they're telling us he's good to go, he's 100%, I think he's a start, but I could also see him sitting. If he's sitting and we also have Julio sitting, who was also a game time decision, or no, Godwin wasn't a game time decision, Julio was. But if we have Godwin and Julio sitting, then I think Gage is playable. Gage is coming off of a big game but it was in a game where he was like the only option. Like you had Cole Beasley coming in off the street. You had Scotty Miller, who's just been terrible. You had Brashad Perriman, who hasn't been much better. So Gage is a talented guy, but he was producing because he was the only option. If you're putting Gage behind Godwin and Julio, I don't think he's giving you numbers. And then if Julio plays, I think, you know, he can put together a nice game, but are you trusting him to stay healthy throughout the entire game? Are you trusting him to be 100%? Just a lot of question marks here. Something we'll have to figure out throughout the week. And then in the final game of the week, we have the Rams taking on the 49ers. For the Rams, obviously you're firing up Cooper Cup as a high-end wide receiver one. Had a semi-disappointing game here in week three, but it's just because that's how high the bar is for Cooper Cup. For Allen Robinson, he's a sit. Early on in the season, I've had some bad calls, you know, on my preseason takes. Guys I was in on, guys I was out on. You know, I was in on Travis Etienne. You know, I don't need to run through every bad call. But I've also had some good ones so far, and I feel like Allen Robinson was one of them. I was very out on Allen Robinson. A lot of the wide receiver videos, you know, people were telling me I was too low on him. I'd rank him low. They'd be like, oh, where's Allen Robinson? Because I may not even have him, you know, on the top of whatever. Three games, 12 targets, 7.3 points per game, and he has a touchdown in there. 
So it's not even like he has the, uh, he didn't score a touchdown excuse. It's been terrible. He's out there for a lot of routes. He's just not producing. It's pretty similar to what happened last year. You know, like people can make excuses for him all they want, but he's getting out targeted by Ben Skoranek and Tyler Higby. It's just, it's not happening here for Allen Robinson. I've seen some people like commenting, do I drop him? I think he's droppable if there are decent options on the waiver wire. If you're in like a super competitive 12 team league where the waiver wire is pretty locked in, like I feel like A-Rob probably has more upside than some like random dude. Like if you're going to go out and pick up like Richie James or something, like I'd probably just keep Allen Robinson because maybe he figures it out. But for a dude who's being drafted as a top 24 guy in most places, this is not great. Um, and he's someone I just can't trust in my lineup if he's not earning targets at all. Like at least guys like uh, Elijah Moore, who I had as like the fringe, like at least he's earning targets. A-Rob's just not even getting targets. Like same thing with DJ Moore. DJ Moore has been bad, but he's at least getting like six targets a game. Allen Robinson is sitting at four a game. It's just not happening. And then for the 49ers, Debo Samuel, obviously a start. Brandon Ayuk, I think is a solid wide receiver three flex option. Not someone you're ecstatic about playing, but someone who can get into the end zone like he did last week can make some big plays. So a guy I do like in my lineup. That is all 16 uh, week four matchups. Let me know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Am I an idiot for starting Elijah Moore, DJ Moore? Like, let me know down below. Do you agree, disagree with some of these players? If you guys have any questions, drop those down below. I've already posted my running back start sets. So go check those out if you haven't already. As always, thank you guys for stopping by and I will see you guys in the next one.